0: Welcome to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. In this episode, we're taking a look at the early moves from the tampering period and free agency and taking that to the NFL draft order. How did some of the early signings affect the 2023 NFL draft? We're going to go down the list and talk about everything from teams in the top five, the top 10, the top 20, top 50, even going into the second and third rounds. How have some of these signings really changed how we are viewing the draft? A lot of these team needs and where the focal points could be. I'm Trevor Sycamore. With me is Connor Rogers, let's ring the bell. Welcome to the opening bell of the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. I'm Trevor Sikama. That is Connor Rogers Joining you guys in the middle of what is a free agency frenzy. My guy over there on the other side of the screen has been on Aaron Rodgers' watch for what seems like weeks now, months, maybe years. It does feel that way. And it's finally coming to a head because, uh, well, Aaron Rodgers said it himself. He plans to play for the New York Jets. As we are recording this show, obviously, free agency is still going live, so if things break we're going to react to it however we can. but on this show what we want to do is we want to take a look at the free agency moves that have already been made and tell you how we think they affect the NFL draft could just be round one stuff, round two, round three, total team draft plans, a lot of this stuff. We're gonna dig into all that Connor. how you feeling my friend? have, have you finally like caught up on sleep a little bit? Has the <laughs> adrenaline come down a tad? How you feeling?
1: i'm a little tired you people probably see it today um and this is a rare morning episode for trevor and i because we've been trying to time up my awful schedule with aaron Rodgers' watch when free agency would really wrap up at least wave one because we wanted as many moves as we can get in this thing to kind of talk to you guys about how they impact the draft but i'm good i mean you run on adrenaline during this week like you never actually feel tired until you get to maybe friday night or saturday morning you're like wow that was a really, really crazy week, and um, it's it's been fun here, obviously, in the New York market. Everybody's really excited about Rodgers, and I think across the NFL, as much as this free agency class was deemed as a down year in overall talent, I still think a lot of impact moves were made that gave us some hints oh, yeah. about the top of the draft.
0: Yeah, I mean, what's the, what's the perfect strategy, right? Fill your dire needs, your weaknesses, your roster weaknesses in free agency as best you can to allow you to take best player available. However, the draft comes to you. That's always what teams are striving for. So we have a lot of team needs for a lot of different teams that were addressed, that we've seen over the first couple of days of free agency and, of course, the tampering period, taking that into account as well. So a lot of really good conversation that we're going to have here on this episode. We're also, as we said on the Monday show, going to come to you with a post-free agency mock draft that we will have on Monday. So we'll be able to categorize a lot of our thoughts and put that into practice there as well. But, dude, I I, want to start with Rodgers because, obviously, it's the biggest shakeup. We don't know the official trade package yet, right? Aaron Rodgers goes on Pat McAfee, and he talks about – Kind of what feels like, uh, it felt like, from his perspective, Green Bay turning their back on him a little bit, ready to move on. And because of that, Rodgers, who, as he said, before he went into the darkness retreat, was leaning on retiring. Then he kind of figured out that he wanted to continue to play football. It wasn't going to be in Green Bay. He wants it to be in New York, but we don't know the trade package yet. You and I have talked about this over the last couple of months, whether it's been in mock draft format or others. We didn't think that Rodgers going to New York meant they were going to lose the number 13 overall pick. Now it kind of seems like that might be the case. Is that what, you know, you're tapped into this a lot more than I am, but from what I've heard, Green Bay is seeking multiple first-round picks, multiple premium picks, one of them being from this year. Do you think that ends up happening? I don't.
1: I don't think the 13th overall pick is in this trade. I would just be really surprised. I think the only way it is is if that's the bare minimum the Jets gave up and almost would need a pick coming back to them. Like, mm-hmm. do they get the Packers' second-round pick so it's really a pick swap of 30-something spots, right? that That's kind of the... And that's the max. I don't think that happens. I know... Yeah. The takes on this on Twitter, like you got to duck right now if you, whatever <laughs> side you're on, because they so I are, asked you. <laughs> yeah, and, and my it, the truth always lies somewhere in the middle, right, Trevor? We've seen the Green Bay side say it went from, but even before Rogers went on McAfee, a, a Stafford trade, or it was like Russ trade, now a Stafford trade, mm-hmm. now not a Stafford trade, but a first round pick needs to be in it. I really think the truth lies somewhere in the middle. I imagine. When Rogers, um, you know, it felt slighted, and I, let's be real, I don't think Rogers has liked Gudikins for a long time. Feels this that is way. just, this yeah. is really just the peak of it. So I'm sure, number one, Rogers is going to the Jets with the thought of and then and knowing how all in they are on him coming there, like maximize mm-hmm. every asset. You've seen this, Trevor. When, when the Bucks got Brady, it was, let's try to win a Super Bowl. Like, let's not, hey, we got Tom Brady. This is fun. It's like, no, we got Tom Brady. Now there's a lot of work to do. The Jets are in the same mindset with Rodgers. Rodgers is in the same mindset with the Jets. He doesn't want, he's not, listen everybody needs forgets rogers has leverage here he would be a 60 million dollar signing bonus backup if this thing completely falls through there's no world where that works so on the Jets side they need him so at the end of the day i go back to what we said not that long ago i think this trade is probably their the jets second round pick this year and that's why green bay can't drag their feet too much like are you gonna not get this trade done before the draft And then Jordan Love is playing without that asset you got back from this year. Right, Like, we don't know. So I think it's the second round pick this year. And then gigantic conditional terms in 2024. I think the 2024 pick starts at a third and can work its way up. And I know a lot of people don't see it that way. A lot of people see it as, you know, a two that becomes a one um this year might have a little bit more assets i've seen people say all of the jets day two picks of the next two years i i don't see that i don't see it it's not the way joe douglas has operated i don't think rogers would be happy if that was the return he's not happy with green bay's front office right now and the jets will hold firm especially when 60 million dollars is owed to him woody johnson is involved in this deal like fans don't care about 60 million in cash they care about the cap and this is cash but right. owners do; it right. does matter in ownership structure and talks. So, yeah, I, a concrete first-round pick in this deal, I don't see it.
0: So, I I texted PFF's um, salary cap guru and also just our ace during free agency, Brad Spielberger, who is who is awesome at this for somebody who is like on the outside, if you will. The way that he nails yeah. a lot of these contracts numbers, I mean, Brad's fantastic. So, I asked him basically what the numbers were as of this morning for what the jets would have to take on what would Rodgers get what would green bay have to take on this is what he said and i you know if i'm misquoting anything here then don't go after brad this is simply me reading text he said that rodgers will have a 1.1 million dollar salary and then a 58.3 option bonus that will be spread over the next 4 years he said the 2023 cap for the jets this year would be just 15.7 million and then I asked him, what about the Packers? Because how much money the Packers would take on would obviously go into like what they were looking back for compensation. That's where the Matthew Stafford deal comes into play. And he said the Packers would be taking a 40.3 dead cap hit, which is obviously a lot of dead cap hit, which is what they were looking for with like a Matthew Stafford type of a trade. But I agree with you. I agree. I find it hard to believe the jets are going to give up 13 and maybe the second that we publish this podcast, it comes out and they do end up giving 13. And, and obviously if that's the case, then I think the jets are going to have to start to look into offensive line options in, in day two, which we think that there's plenty of, which we could get into in the Monday episode, but you know, green Bay would then have their chance to draft a Lucas van Ness, a miles Murphy, but also a Darnell Washington, a Michael Mayer. you know, you're doubling up in the first round. You could do a lot of different things there. So Rogers, Not quite a Jet yet, but it feels like he is trending in that direction. And to the trade uh, back and forth negotiations as well, I think this is another point. Green Bay only has so much that they can really hold against the Jets right now. Yes, they have Rodgers. Yes, the Jets are all in on Rodgers. But Rodgers basically said on McAfee, I'm not going back to Green Bay. If they can't figure out a trade, I'm going to retire. So either the either Green Bay gets something for Aaron Rodgers or they will literally nothing. get nothing
1: for him. No, they do get something. They get a shit ton of dead money. Sure, right. Right, time,
0: right, right. With nothing in right.
1: return. Like I right. listen, I understand a lot of people that are either Packers fans or just non Jets fans, whatever, are probably looking at my lens and thinking, well, of course he's gonna spin it like that. And I do think Green Bay has some kind of leverage here. No, Don't sp- get me wrong. I spun
0: it like that. But you, didn't even, you didn't have to say I, it. I said.
1: Pro- Dude, every national report I have read or watched a hit on is like Green Bay has all the cards. And I'm like, not really, because the longer this goes, the worse it gets for both parties. It's really just both of them strangling each other down to the bottom of the ocean, and everybody looks like a moron. So that's not a good outcome. And here's the other thing, Trevor, that like in this world we live my, in. My guy's that is,
0: going in. My guy's going in right
1: now. <laughs> in this world we live in where everybody, and I'm guilty of it at times too, is so spreadsheet transaction based. Like we just sit and go sell after sell after sell and spit mm. out money and draft capital. And this does Aaron Rodgers relationship and legacy mean anything to Green Bay? He is arguably the greatest packer ever. And if you think he's not, he's in the top three. That has to mean something. Do you just burn that down to the ground yeah. on the way out? Like I'm floored at how little that is brought up. I know for me, and I've never had this opportunity because the Jets have never had a well, I guess the closest thing would be Rebus. When the Jets traded Revis as a fan, especially at that stage of my life, it was heartbreaking. At the yeah. time. It was like, this yeah. is how this is the greatest New York Jet I have ever watched in my life. To this day, still my favorite NFL player of all time. And that and yes, they did make good because eventually they brought him back. And he did have a really good year when they brought him back. And Revis is very ingrained of the Jets now. But at the time, when he went to the Bucs, because they the Jets traded him because they wouldn't pay him, it was soul crushing. Yeah. Soul crushing. Yeah. I couldn't imagine that with a franchise Super Bowl winning
0: quarterback. <clears throat> yeah i mean it you said it something you, you said it you said it i thought it was a little bit weird and we'll move on from from rogers talk because we want to get into a lot of these other transactions but you guys knew we had to open it up with the show i will say that at the end of the mcafee interview when they were saying goodbye to rogers uh, I don't watch McAfee a lot, but yeah. somebody, somebody who's one of the producers must be a Packers fan because they kind of like went to him and they're like, Ty. What are your thoughts? He's, yeah, diehard. He's yeah. Die yes. And he was he was talking about like, okay, like I understand where Aaron's coming from. It's obviously a super bummer as a fan. You're one of the best packers of all time. It's been awesome to watch you, like all this kinds of stuff. And then he and then he said at the end, he's like, I'm just bummed you're not, you're not retiring a Packer. Yeah. And I thought th- that would be the moment. Where Aaron Rodgers would go, No, no, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna retire a Green Bay Packer, but it obviously just didn't work at this point in my career. I wanna play, I'm gonna play for another team. Like, but I'm gonna retire a Packer. He didn't say that. Not at all. He didn't say that. Not at all. So I'm don't don't have to look too far into it, but it is crazy exactly how this is going down. Um and I'm excited for Aaron Rodgers to be a part of the Jets because you and I talked about this so many times before. If you, if you even put a mediocre quarterback on the New York Jets last year, they make the playoffs. And now they're putting a guy who won back to back MVPs just a couple of seasons ago. So it's exciting times in, in New York for sure with the Jets. Uh, let's move a little bit further down the draft order. We know everything is going on with Carolina and holy cow, like Carolina. They're making a lot of great moves. I I think that they are filling out their team. I love what they've been doing. Incredibly well. Let me make sure they have them all here. They brought back Shaq Thompson, got Shai Tuttle, signed Von Bell, re-signed Bradley Bozeman, signed Andy Dalton. Let's go, baby. Signed Hayden Hurst, and then signed Miles Sanders as well. So they are truly rounding out their team as best they can for whatever quarterback they're going to draft at number one. So good on Carolina there. I'd want to start our conversation and how free agency might've changed the draft with number three overall in the Arizona Cardinals. You and I, when we've gone through these mock drafts, look at Arizona and we go, all right, trenches stink, especially on the defensive line. Defensive line has been bad since Chandler Jones hasn't been there. JJ Watt was probably their best defensive lineman and he retires. When we looked at the depth chart for Arizona, we basically said, It's Zach Allen and then nobody else. And even then, it's like Zach Allen's a solid player, but he's not like this premier pass rusher for you. No. Now Zach Allen's gone. Zach Allen signed with the Denver Broncos. So they don't even have Zach Allen. Their defensive line right now on our lads is Jonathan Ledbetter, Leckie Fotu, Rashard Lawrence, Majai Sanders, and Cam Thomas. That's pretty young edge rushers, number one. So my thing is... Does this change the draft for Arizona? Because before we said here's a spot where they can trade down and get a, again get more players. But are they at the point where they can't even trade down that far? Because they just need a good player. They need a Will Anderson. They need, if they believe that Tyree yeah, Wilson is as good as he as as a lot of people are projecting, Tyree Wilson, Jalen Carter, maybe a three. Who knows what's going to happen with Jalen Carter? But Can Arizona even afford to move down now? Or are they more likely to stay a three, given the fact that not even Zach Allen's on that defensive line anymore?
1: It's a great question. And from everything I've been tapped into this week, they are still looking into moving down. Mm -hmm. But what does that mean? What does that mean, though? Like, is that swap with the Colts and nothing changes in our pick? Because I think that makes a lot of sense. Because the Colts, you know, the iron's hot on the Colts. Let's be real. They already got jumped with Carolina going to one mm-hmm. Houston's taking a quarterback at two Arizona is openly telling people we will trade this pick. Do you really want to have option number four? And if a pick swap is cost effective, that makes sense for both parties. The Colts go up to three. They get to pick from the last two quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Arizona goes to four and still gets to take the first defensive player. Mm-hmm. Which, like you said, Trevor, is probably Will Anderson, maybe Tyree Wilson. I think th- those two guys are in play. Jalen Carter. Another thing, all week I have heard. Listen to this. I have pulled, and there was only one team in the top eight that would take Jalen Carter. That would think right now, if the draft was this week, that would think about taking Jalen Carter. That's how, uh, you know, how much variance that is with him right now. That all the other teams are operating besides one, in a sense of we just we can't take him that early. And sure, you could say, well, a lot of those teams are taking quarterbacks anyway, but there are also a couple teams in the top eight that could use Jalen Carter yeah, really, really
0: badly. This was this was our number one overall player tape. He's the best player in the draft. Right. So I, what does that mean anymore? So I do want to say this because there's a little bit of context here, and I want to dig into this a little before we move on to the next team. But Seth Emerson, who uh, works for the Athletic tweeted this morning, which is Thursday. Yeah, days are days are running together. Thursday oh, yeah. morning. Said, Jalen Carter has entered a deal with athens Clark County solicitors per his lawyer. Carter has pled no contest and will receive 12 months probation, pay $1,000 in fines, perform 80 hours of community service, and finish a driving course. He will receive no jail time. So it seems as though that part of what we don't know about Carter is getting resolved with plenty of time until the draft. But then you look at what happened on Wednesday. It was George's pro day. And I don't know how much you were able to follow what was going on in George's pro day with all the Roger stuff going on. Definitely but enough. They purposefully pushed Jalen Carter in the drills. Like, okay, you do one drill, you get five seconds. We're doing the next rep. Because they wanted to push his conditioning. They wanted to see where he was. And according to a lot of the reports, he didn't look good. Apparently, he weighed 9 to 10 pounds heavier at George's Pro Day than he did at the Combine, which wasn't even that long ago. That's two weeks. Now, there's a lot of people that are saying, this is a job interview that that you can consistently plan for. And for you to show up out of shape and heavier and not looking good, like not a good heavier, that's a really bad sign. But I will say, I do agree with that in a vacuum, but with full context involved, what Carter has been going through since January, what Carter went through in Indianapolis with going, having to go back to Athens and get booked and then get bailed. And then all the, like, I do think that we forget the human element that goes into a lot of this for people, the stress that this guy must have been under that. Well, and I'm not saying I'm I'm not I'm not absolving him of, yeah. of blame or I know, anything. I'm I just saying that when people look at this, it's not as simple as Wow, this guy must have just gotten fat. Maybe it is, but I'm saying that if you if you could step back and look at Jalen Carter's situation, I wish somebody maybe would have stepped in in his inner circle and would have been like, Hey, bud, look, have your own pro day Bingo. in a month. Do a private workout in a month. Yeah, and that and that didn't happen. So look, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know exactly what happened. I don't know how Jalen Carter got to this point. But just to bring it all back, I, I agree with you, man. The thoughts and opinions on where he might go in this draft, even with this legal stuff maybe wrapped up for him, it, the, those whispers, those talks, those discussions, those projections are not going to stop. And I'm, I'm serious. Anywhere within, I feel like the top 20 is in play for Jalen Carter at this point.
1: I absolutely it's fascinating the conversations that opens up, right? And nobody's denying Jalen Carter's talent. Nobody's taking away from him that he is still a young man that, you know, people make mistakes, right? And we've seen guys with character issues go in the first round still and figure it out with better infrastructure around them. Um, the right locker room, the -hmm. right veterans, the right management, and we've also seen time and time again, guys with all the talent in the world, completely fizzle out in the NFL within two years. So,
0: and that's that's that is a general manager's biggest fear.
1: Yeah, because it gets you fired. Eight out of ten times, it gets you fired when you make that mistake. So,
0: I bet the Isaiah Wilson selection with John Robinson in Tennessee. I bet that loomed hard over. I feel like it the was the eventual, beginning of the end. The eventual decision to let to let him go. Yeah, yeah. So right. we can we can we can move on from that though. I want to go. I want to go a little bit further down in the order. And if I skip a team that you wanted sure. to hit, please, uh, we can go back to it. We can bounce around.
1: And for yeah. everyone listening, if if we didn't get to a specific signing or player that you were hoping to hear, we're also going to tie this into the mock draft. Like mm-hmm. we're going to have a mega mock, and and you'll hear so much more detail. We're just reacting real quickly off
0: of the uh, the legal tampering news bonanza. So the Raiders, they're getting Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, and it's not the most lucrative deal in the world, but I do think it was a little bit of a statement deal. Adam Schefter was on ESPN and he was talking about with the Raiders, when they were signing Jimmy G and they certainly made it sound like the Raiders are no longer in the conversation to move up for a quarterback. And, and what I believe what Schefter said when he reported this is that they did not think the quarterback that they wanted was going to be available, and that's at number three. So, my question to you is who is that quarterback? Stroud? It's got to be Stroud, right? So, because they thought that quarterback wouldn't be available at three. I wonder th- if this is no posturing. longer, no longer, would no longer be available at three. Is the is only name I, heard, I, heard, I they, heard
1: they liked, but this was in their range. This doesn't mean much, was Levis but that was in their range of seven. They probably really liked
0: Stroud. He fits everything McDaniels wants to do. I think so too. I think so too. I'm with you. I bet they really liked Stroud and I bet they maybe like Levis, but they don't want to trade up to four for Levis. Exactly. I wouldn't take quarterback off the table at seven, but it sure sounds like the Jimmy G deal at least means they're not going to trade up to three at this point in time. That's kind of what I think.
1: Probably. And then it makes you wonder when the Raiders were doing all the work on the quarterbacks. One thing I I was asking around was, well, what else? Because you're at seven. There's no guarantee. And this was a time period where everybody was like, one of the quarterbacks will be there at seven. And oh, how things change. Um, They're doing work on corner, too. So I think at seven, you're looking and and we kind of I definitely beat this drum to death. But I say it all the time. The Gonzalez Witherspoon conversation it's you know the lot we'll get to the lions the lions did a great job addressing the secondary but corners not off the board Mm -hmm. but the lions the raiders the falcons i don't think chicago uh but then the eagles although they're probably gonna bring back slay now a big plot twist they have to bring back bradbury so that six seven and eight spot is the the hot corner zone we're looking at too
0: Yeah, and there's not really like an obvious sign of like which team. A lot of those teams did a nice job addressing corner or at least bringing in new names. Yeah, like a bridge guy. Yeah, Yeah. which makes a stick. Going to the Lions, which is right before the Raiders, you look at some of the moves that the Lions made in free agency, signed Cam Sutton, and they didn't sign Cam Sutton for cheap either. Three years, $33 million. Yeah, so three years, $33 million. They signed Emmanuel Mosley, who's coming love, off an ACL love tear. Love this deal. One year, One year six, six, right? Yeah. Mosley was great when he He's was He's so good when year, healthy. Yeah. yeah. Loved that for the Lions. So two corners right there. They re-signed Alex Anzalone. They re-signed John Kaminsky. Okay, maybe not the biggest splashes there, but at least it brings some bodies back. They're not super desperate. Did the same with Isaiah Bugs, And then they also signed David Montgomery, which is a little bit of a one-in, one-out because it seems like they're losing Jamal Williams so it'll be David Montgomery and DeAndre Swift there in the backfield. I don't think this makes running back too tempting for them with the money that they're giving Montgomery, but yeah, I just you still think that 6 could be a could be a cornerback selection for the Lions despite them bringing in Mosley, despite them bringing in Sutton?
1: Yeah, I do because Mo- that one-year deal to Mosley is the perfect balance of depth guy that can compete with that rookie corner that, I mean, listen, if you take, I think one of those, th- so say your, your depth chart is Sutton, um, Mosley, and then Gonzalez can't Sutton or Mosley kick inside and you keep Gonzalez on the outside. And then if you take Witherspoon, Witherspoon can play inside
0: I think so so, too. and they I, have a CUDA, right? I God, I always
1: forget a CUDA is there. They, they still know, the have Las a CUDA. City, They gave themselves flexibility. Right, yeah. that they're yeah. the Lions probably thought this. We're going to spend at corner because if this draft really goes quarterback, 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 that means we are getting one of Will Anderson or I, we have the opportunity if we want to draft Will Anderson or Tyree Wilson. Who and we always say it on the show like we're not there on Tyree. Um, I like him a little bit more than you, but the league is obsessed with this guy, so. Yeah. Now, they, now if the draft doesn't go how I said, then they take the BPA at corner. It's just the Lions have this flexibility now that they weren't granted before free agency, and I think it's phenomenal. When did they have to pick up Akuda's fifth-year option? Because he's on the last that year pa- of his... I think that passed, right, or no? I don't... I He's quietly been around longer than we think. I think, I thought... When is the deadline? I can't remember when the deadline is. It would have passed already. Oh no. Mm. No, I think you're right. I think it is coming up. I, think I don't think they picked up, that up, by the way.
0: No, because I'm Googling it right now and and I don't I don't see that they did or didn't pick him up. I just see a lot of like pros and cons article. <laughs>
1: yeah. So I mean and you got to realize too, like a guy like Brad Holmes, who I think has done a good job, when he's looking at it and saying, Okay, I have Mosley and Acuna this year, mm-hmm. but what do I have? when we think we're going to be rocket fuel two years from now, like the lions are probably looking at things and thinking we're going to be, we're going to be good this year. We might be great in 2024 with the way this division is set up. Yeah. Uh, you're going to need a corner. So maybe they still take a corner and say, hey, still we're still just going to stack the deck.
0: And they have that, that, that extra first round pick, right? They're picking at 18 yep, as 18. well. So maybe they're looking at 18 and going ah, maybe we can, you know, steal a Joey Porter jr. Yeah, Deontay, or Deontay banks, banks. You exactly. know, something like that at the back end. of of the top 20. So I think that corner is still on the board for them. Um, And that that brings up a good Eagles conversation as well. I do want to talk about the Falcons, but since we're talking about corner, we might as well go uh, back to where the Philadelphia Eagles are. It's funny. We've done mock drafts for so long for the Philadelphia Eagles, and we've had them constantly taking corner at number 10 overall. And the reason why we had them taking corner is because we thought they were going to lose James Bradbury, right? We were like, oh, they're going to lose Bradbury. They're going to need a corner opposite slay. Well, then all of a sudden Bradbury resigns. So we go, all right, well, I guess a you know, corner might not be on the table for him at number 10 overall. And then it comes out that they might release Darius Slay. And we're like, all right, corners back on the menu, boys. And so, you know, you're, you're thinking about different corners and who would be a good pairing for James Bradbury. Then it comes out they don't release Darius Slay. And so it looks like both James Bradbury and Darius Slay are coming back. Uh, it looks like they're restructuring Darius Slay's contract, which I assume is going to come with an extension. So looks like they've got those guys for a couple more years. I still don't think it takes corner off the table for him And number 10, if they believe that that's best player available, which is what the Eagles are all about. Certainly they love to build through the trenches, offensive line, defensive line. These guys can be in the conversation there, but I think corner could still be a pick for philly at number 10 especially if it's a guy like witherspoon who you mentioned earlier can 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 you imagine a cornerback group that's bradbury and slay on the outside and devon witherspoon on the inside that is sick that is demented Silly. and
1: they, and their roster so good they
0: could do it i know now i kind of yeah. love it so yeah i don't I don't think corners off the table for him at 10.
1: i really that's don't. a that's a really fair argument uh and the fact that i mean slays not young Right. Like I can't express this enough. Teams do not draft in one year windows all the time. So, yeah, you're yeah. thinking long term of how to stock up the secondary. What was Bradbury's deal ultimately? Or did we not uh, get numbers on three that?
0: years? Thirty eight. So he's getting paid. Wow. Good deal for James Bradbury. Yeah. I mean, that is was, the
1: second time he's made it to the
0: market and gotten a big payday. He's mastered James, that. I thought James Bradbury was so underrated when he was in Carolina. And then obviously like he paid. and was he, great with the Giants. And then I thought that he was underrated again with the Giants. And then I thought that he, I couldn't believe the the, the Eagles got him for what they did.
1: I knew James, nobody gave a shit or really underappreciated James Bradbury. When I, when I did comparison, uh, a comparison for sauce Gardner. And I was like, I honestly think sauce can be a better version of James Bradbury. And people were like, that's so disrespectful. Like Bradbury. And I'm like, do you realize number one, Bradbury is really good. They are very similar with that; those arms down to the ground, their play style, Mm -hmm. and then you know, obviously Sauce had a great year, but sort of Bradbury, and it's like, yeah, this is this is who he is. I
0: think think Bradbury, funny enough, was second in the NFL in forced incompletions. Yes,
1: Yes. Sauce 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 is one.
0: (laughs) Sauce (laughs) is one. (laughs) It's freaking nuts. Yeah, sometimes guys, we do know what we're talking about here, but no, I've I've known that Bradbury is good. You know, Carolina is obviously hasn't been the best team over the last, you know, four or five years, especially when Bradbury was there. But I'll tell you, nobody played Mike Evans better than James Bradbury did year in and year out twice a year. Nobody played Mike Evans better. Maybe Marshawn Lattimore and Lattimore is considered what a great corner. So it's those two guys. And that's the reason why I've always been a big fan of Bradbury. But, um, you know, you look at what else they did. Loved, loved the Rashad Penny contract. If Rashad Penny stays healthy, one year, $1.3 million. Even if he doesn't. As opposed to what Miles Sanders got in Carolina, this big four-year deal, man, good on Philly. They get Fletcher Cox back as well. You're losing Javon Hargrave, it makes it tough. So certainly interior defensive line, like with Fletcher Cox back, obviously you like that, but this is number 10 is a legitimate spot for Jalen Carter to go if he slides to 10. You know, if they do the background and they're okay with Jalen Carter, you're reuniting Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis on the same defensive line. You got Fletcher Cox in there for one more year, which you that, love. That's the key. With that group. And and you got you to gotta replace Hargrave, right? I, I mean, I think one way or another, somebody's got to step up. Either they're on the roster or they're, they're drafting a guy at the top like that. But I think that that certainly goes into addressing some draft needs too. Yeah, and
1: I think, you know, it goes back to our pick of taking Kansi to them at the end of round one. Um, yeah. So, yeah, the the Eagles definitely need some D-line help. I'm looking at some of these running back deals. It's so fascinating how teams get value. Like, how about the Dolphins getting Raheem Mostert on a two-year, $5.6 million deal? Great deal. Like, Mostert's great in that offense.
0: Mostert is great The
1: the Dolphins maybe have had my favorite offseason from a volume standpoint. Like, I think they've done a lot starting with Hiring Fangio to oh, sure. uh, to trading for Jalen Ramsey, mm-hmm. and then they signed David Long to like a joke of a contract. How a in the world did he get that little of a deal? Two years, eleven mil. Silly.
0: Great I, I linebacker.
1: Mean, yeah, they've just they didn't really have an overwhelming amount of money to work with, and they found a way to maximize it. And I I understand the conversation with the Dolphins is always going to go back to they're one two a hit away uh now from being with mike white under center but mike white's always one hit away jets legend so then it's skylar thompson again sorry jets hall of famer and jets mean hall of him. famer i didn't yes. to shortchange him no 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 and and uh didn't burn any bridges on the way out left a nice goodbye <laughs> note hit all Wolver- right we'll do ring of honor for mike all white right. he'll be in the ring of honor <laughs> yeah that's how you that's how you treat a franchise quarterback folks take notes uh, so
0: <laughs> yeah to, just to keep going off the running back point. Um, Zeke getting released by the the Cowboys. Certainly, we have talked where about where the hell this. does he go? I don't know where he goes. Uh, Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, who I love Rick, but like he 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 tweeted, "Hey, Bucks are probably going to be interested because he was probably heard that from somebody that they're going to inquire about Zeke." And I'm just like, God, please
1: no. God. They just signed Chase Edmonds as we were doing the podcast. Who did?
0: Bucks did? the Bucks. Yeah. Oh, okay. So they're not going to be they're, then. They're not going to be in on Zeke at all. Um, actually, ooh, I like a Chase Anderson deal. I actually like that. You're breaking news to me. Uh, yeah, um, there it
1: is, breaking news.
0: So, a Cowboys don't have Zeke anymore. Tony Pollard's on a franchise tag, but Tony Pollard's also coming off um injury, so you never know exactly what that's going to be like with him getting back. They're hoping to get him back, obviously, for training camp at the start of the season, but who knows what exactly what he's going to look like because it is a lower body injury for running backs. It's always tricky. I genuinely think that Bijan Robinson or Jameer Gibbs is on the table for the Cowboys at the back end of the first round. Genuine, genuinely believe yeah, that. Certainly I if it's so. Bijan. Um, New Orleans, another spot that I thought could have been a Jameer Gibbs spot because they've got a decently early second-round pick, which I've liked that there. We've talked about Alvin Kamara and how he might get suspended and how he might, that might change the guarantees in his contract because his contract cap hit goes up over the next two years. But they just signed Jamal Williams, so at least they're mitigating that there. could still go after a guy like Jameer Gibbs or a different running back somewhere on day two. But I think that it's a little bit different with Jamal Williams there. So that's kind of how I would see that changing things for the saints. I don't think they're thinking running back at the back end of first round. Um, Maybe if it's Bijan, but I think it's probably going to be something along the interior defensive line though. I'll be honest. They signed Nathan Shepard. And then who's the other one? It was Nathan Shepard and. Kalen Saunders from the Chiefs. So they got two like interior defensive linemen there. So they're not like just nothing there. Cause it looked like there was a chance where a lot of guys could have been gone. Um, David Onyemata is gone. Uh, yeah. Shai Tuttle is gone. Very so different looking group. You're at least replacing them a little bit. I think that if the right D lineman is there, that could certainly still be on the table for them. Speaking of running backs and I guess offensive weapons. I want to touch on New England. I feel like we don't touch on New England a ton on this show. Just because, I don't know. Never know what Belichick's going to do, to be honest with you. But they trade Johnny Smith. They trade him away to the Atlanta Falcons, which I loved, by the way. And I don't think that is a Kyle Pitts negative. I think that's Kyle Pitts positive because I think you could put Johnny Smith out on the line of scrimmage and you could flex Kyle Pitts out and have a lot more uh, flexibility there and versatility in how you use him. You don't always have to use him on the line of scrimmage. So I like that move there, but they move on from Johnny Smith. They also let Jacoby Myers walk, but basically sign Juju Smith-Schuster to the same contract there. So Yeah, that was kind of weird. You and I have talked. Well, it clearly it was just a whatever Jacoby Myers has been for us has not been enough. We're gonna try somebody else. Yeah. But that says to me, Fair. you know, you and I have mocked, you know, maybe Jackson Smith and Jigba, maybe Zay Jones or um Zay Flowers to them, Zay Jones, Zay Flowers to them in the first round. That's not happening anymore. No, you're hot spot on. Yeah. They're, I, they're I, not going offensive on. weapon anymore.
1: So. yeah, he's a power slot at his best. So, yeah, right, right. No, like th- a, I mean
0: Juju Juju is exclusively a slot s- yeah, s- yeah. for
1: player. Like the, He won't play anywhere else. If you that's yeah, it's funny. It, t- it definitely takes JSN off the board because he brings the same exact skill set in a yeah. mold. I think I think Jackson Smith really the Jig was a better player, but still I do too. Um, but do still, too, you're but right, you're right. No, you they're not taking a wide receiver in that mold at 14. Um so yeah, New England is fascinating. It, you know, do they still Go after a vet, right? Like, are they going to call for Hopkins? And then there's the Bill oh, O'Brien dynamic.
0: Yeah, they right. They can't. No, <laughs> they but
1: somebody somebody said they did. <laughs> yeah, I, I need to find this right now. It was
0: Bill it, himself who called. That that would be wild, man.
1: Yeah, there's what, been a couple. God, navigating Twitter for news is a a nightmare these
0: it, days. This this this. Week I can't is believe how bad it's, it's it's. What'd you say? This week is an absolute flood of news that you just... No, because everybody has a blue check mark, So
1: you have to go to every oh, single bio. Oh, sure. And then it's like 200 followers. And it's just like a fan saying blue like... It's mark. saying like, Patriots thinking about trading second round pick for Hopkins. Deal close. And you're like, are you a beat reporter? I just, uh, maybe uh... maybe
0: no check is the new check. Maybe okay. you and I need to change our Twitter handles and just get rid of the check. You know? Yes. Yes. Chestnut checkers. I
1: like that. It was from Jeff Howe, who is obviously has really good New England ties, even though he's a national guy for the Athletic now. Mm -hmm. Uh, He said the Patriots have made trade calls for Hopkins and Jerry Judy.
0: Oh. But, I mean, who knows? I mean, Judy and Smith Schuster kind of play the same position. But, yeah, the Broncos are fascinating right now.
1: Like yeah, they've just been the,
0: put. Why are the Broncos just flushing the toilet on all their wide receivers?
1: They are hell bent on anybody not named Tim Patrick right now, which I mean I'm getting rid
0: of anybody. Respect to Tim Patrick, but like, what yeah, are we doing? He didn't even play last year. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it's Sean Payton, man, tearing up at the studs. I guess he's just Sean. Does Sean Payton not
1: go out and get like a rust proof team in free agency? He's like, if you could block, we are signing you. They, so we could.
0: Yeah. What were the. Uh- Broncos. Yeah, let's pull up the Broncos real quick. I feel like every move I saw from them, not they made a lot of defensive moves too. Signed Ben Powers, signed Jared Sidham signed Mike McGlinchey, signed Chris Manhurst. Dude, they just (laughs) guard tackle blocking tight end. Yep, they gave out two mammoth
1: offensive line deals. Yeah, mammoth. They got one of the underrated blocking tight ends in the league. Right. They signed a fullback. They signed Michael Burton.
0: They did indeed sign Michael Burton.
1: They signed, signed. Samaji
0: P. Ryan. Yeah. That's like the everything.
1: That... Yeah. Everything they did was like, yeah, this isn't let Russ cook anymore. This no, is no, no, let no. Russ. This is let Russ microwave dinner. This, this is
0: shit. Get out of the way, dude. <laughs> this is let like, Sean. This is this is let Sean cook.
1: You let Sean dial up. Let Sean establish.
0: Uh, <laughs> uh, really quick. Tennessee Titans, we have talked about them moving on from Terry Luan. They sign Andre Dillard. Does that change your mind at all about the desperation that they might have to target an offensive tackle? And the reason why I ask is because this is where the offensive tackle run gets interesting, right? Because it's Tennessee at 11, it's Houston at 12, it's New York at 13. And then if you want to go into that Patriots conversation that we just had, I think that they're bringing in wide receiver talent in order to try to really improve the trenches in the first round of the draft with hopefully an offensive tackle that's going to make it to him. So, if Tennessee is no longer in the market for an offensive tackle, it kind of changes things. But I don't think Dillard moves the needle that much. What do you think? The deal was bigger than I thought.
1: At first, was, when they I did, agree. I, I agree. Yeah, at first, I was like, that's yeah, not going to change anything. Then you give him starting left tackle salary on a three-year deal. Obviously, not fully guaranteed. But it depends what they think of Nicholas Petit-Ferrer, right? Mm-hmm. Trevor, like... He's yeah. projected to play their right tackle. When I look at this move, I kind of think it opens up the door for them to take Skoronsky and play him at guard. And then maybe down the road, you kick him to a tackle spot. That was my thought. And, and hypothetically, let's say the Bears take Paris Johnson, the Titans take uh, Skoronsky and then the Jets take Broderick Jones. Like, there's your O-line run. Pretty cut and dried right there. What do we so. think about?
0: What do we think about the Jags losing Juwan Taylor? Juwan Taylor now going to the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. Uh, the the two offensive tackles in the NFL who I believe combined together gave up the most total pressures was Kansas City. It was Orlando Brown and Andrew Wiley. Andrew Wiley was I think top three in the NFL in total pressures allowed. Although he did get better as the year went on. Wiley signs a deal with the Washington Commanders, which I do think goes into the Commanders. Uh, first round plans it's not as desperate to go get an offensive tackle there but back to the Jags they lose Juwan Taylor we have often thought about maybe offensive tackle for them maybe corner in the first round it seems like you and I have leaned corner more so and with them officially releasing Shaq Griffin that is without a doubt on the table as a priority pick but do you have faith in Walker Little because it felt like Walker Little was kind of battling Juwan Taylor there a little bit. Do you think you think this is a sign that this team has faith that Walker Little is going to come in yeah. and then they're probably not going to draft one in the first round?
1: I I do, and it makes you wonder like where they are theoretically they could take Dewan Jones, right? I still think they might yeah. be able to get Darnell Wright. So, it's a great question. I think they do have faith in Walker Little. And maybe they take a tackle on day two instead Mm -hmm. and have that guy be the swing guy and throw him into the mix. So, but yeah, I I think when you look at Jacksonville, it's pretty clear offensive line became a bigger priority, whether it's more of a depth development ad on day two, or if they do ultimately take that swing in round one. Um, And how about almost a statement by the chiefs? When you look at the money, they gave a guy to come over and switch sides to them rather than just paying Orlando Brown. It's, it's interesting to me. Is I thought Juwan, Is
0: Juwan for sure going to play left? Did they already did they that? Already was the that was the initial reports I saw. Okay. Okay. Because I also read that the Kansas City Chiefs had called about Laramie Tunsil. I Texans, saw that as well. You know? Yep. And like, that would be pretty crazy of Casario to get rid of Tunsil, in my opinion. It would be it would be pretty. Oh no, yeah, not if, especially if you get Bryce Young, which it's looking like they very well could. It feels like he's waving the white flag because what are you going to get for Tunsil? Number thirty-two or thirty-one technically? Because I, Dolphins... I send that every day. If right. That's right the cost. Yeah. Right. That's what that's what I'm saying. Yep, so yep. like, I I don't know. Houston's had enough draft picks. It feels like. <laughs> <laughs> they just gotta yeah. got you gotta keep yeah, your start, good players start playing good players yeah and and larry me is one of the few ones so maybe He's the chiefs kind of aren't done there certainly with them moving seeing orlando brown gone Ju- Juwan taylor's in there they still have an offensive tackle spot that i think is going to open up for them yeah of course i think they'd love to get an offensive tackle but who's going to be there for you at 31 like a lot of the good offensive tackles are already going to be off the board i feel like The big three, so Broderick Jones, Peter Skaronsky, Paris Johnson Jr., they're going to be off the board. I think Darnell Wright's going to be off the board. Um, Maybe Anton Harrison gets there, because I feel like we on this show love him more than the NFL might, but who knows? Dewan Jones feels like he's a back end of the first-round guy, so who knows if he's making it to 31, and at that point, are you comfortable with that? We'll see. I guess that that's the debate. Bengals, man. Bengals go out, and they get them. (laughs) They get themselves Orlando Brown Jr., which – they are hearing it loud and clear. We got to keep Burrow upright, man. The offensive line was not where it needed where it needed to be. And uh when you're in a winning window and your offensive line's falling a little bit short, there's no doubt about it. You got to attack that with some uh ferociousness. And and that's absolutely what they did. So salute to the Bengals there, really going out and prioritizing that again.
1: Yeah, and they, they kind of went an avenue that they're not accustomed to going to. I think he has guarantees beyond the first year, and the Bengals are starting to operate with a little more urgency, which I, I think Orlando Brown has become overrated, but that doesn't mean this wasn't a good signing for the Bengals. I still sure. think both things can exist. I think he came in cheaper than I expected. I think he's an upgrade for them, and I think when you you can only operate with what the market offers you. And he was on the market, and the Bengals went out and got a guy that will help them.
0: A uh, couple of things we'll do rapid fire before we get out of here. I don't think the Steelers signing Patrick Peterson um, takes corner off the board for them in the middle of the first round. I think they needed more corner help than even just one spot with an aging Peterson. So he signed a two-year $14 million deal, which in jump changed change to play corner. But I, I, I don't think – I still think that corner is – up there on the tie on the priority list for them in the first round. I I still believe that it's that an offensive tackle for them. Do you agree?
1: I do. And they got Nate Herbig on a two-year deal. And he, he filled in really nicely for the Jets when Elijah Vera Tucker got hurt. He obviously, you know, has his limitations, but he filled in nicely. So I thought that was a good value offensive line play for Pittsburgh.
0: Yep. Yep. I think, again, those offensive tackles that I just listed off, they're available for Pittsburgh, I think they're gonna think about all of them, especially those back three guys, Anton Harrison, Darnell Wright, DeWan Jones. I think those I already guys are. I see all Darnell right.
1: Wright in a Steeler uniform. I don't know why. He just he, looks like a Steeler. He, he does look like is that
0: the is that a you know, he looks like a Baltimore Raven. He just yeah, feels yeah. Those like are, him.
1: <laughs> those two franchises are the ones we always do it with. Yeah, hey, he looks like a Raven. Looks like um, a
0: Steeler. New York Giants. I want to make sure that I remembered everybody. So, re-signed, re-signed Sterling Shepard. Let's go, baby. $1.3 million. Locked him up. They got Raheem Nunez-Roches, Rochez, is a really nice rotational run defense guy in the middle of that defensive line. Uh, Bobby Okereke, four years, $40 million at linebacker. So, linebacker, big need for them. They fill it with Bobby Okereke. So, it's, it's not to say... They can't go linebacker. I just really doubt that it would be anything in round one. And then love the Darren Waller acquisition as well. If tight end was on the board, which well, I was a little bit disrespectful to the kind of year that Tony, that uh, Corey Cody Bellinger, right? Did I say, did I get no Daniel, Daniel Bellinger, Daniel Bellinger. I said, Cody Bellinger last time. <laughs> and I wanted to make sure I didn't mess up again. Cody Bellinger plays baseball, <laughs> Daniel Bellinger. And Darren Waller, that's a really nice one-two tight end combo. Do you think
1: they... when Cody Bellinger and, and Daniel Bellinger are in the same town, they get together for dinner? Yeah,
0: they have to. Yeah, they have to. Got to do it. Um, right. So that I think that that still allows wide receiver to be the main mock draft pick for the New York Giants. Because I think you hit linebacker, you hit tight end, you hit interior defensive line, um and that just makes it all seem like wide receivers got to be next Aaron Waller's a great receiving tight end so I think that certainly helps but I think wide receivers definitely still on the table for him
1: I think so too and the Waller is a fascinating ad right it really didn't cost them much a third round pick that they got in the Kadarius Tony trade besides the money you owe him and the upside of Waller is better than any pass catcher that was available in free agency he just needs to find a way to stay healthy, and he has not been able to do that in recent. So I like the swing for the Giants because he didn't have a lot to work with in the pro market. So you take a gamble on a on a guy that didn't cost much draft capital, and you see if it works. And I think more large, athletic, middle-of-the-field pass catchers for Daniel Jones is how Brian Dable wants to operate that offense.
0: There we go. Those are some thoughts on how the tampering period as well as the early free agency period uh, has really shaped the NFL draft, first, second round, and just some overall draft strategies. Some guys that are still available, obviously, what happens with Lamar Jackson, who knows at this point, Dalton Schultz, Chauncey Garner-Johnson, Bobby Wagner, Jadavion Clowney, Odell Beckham Jr., Marcus Peters, Dalton Reisner, Isaiah Wynn, Adam Thielen. Mike Gusecki, a lot of these guys are still available, so I think there are a lot of players that are going to find new homes that might go into this as well. We're going to tie that all together over the next couple of days and have a brand-new mock draft for you on Monday. We'll call it a post-free agency mock draft. Obviously, guys can still sign with teams even after that, but we think that a lot of the big splashes will have been made, especially for something that would affect the first and second round of the draft. So that's coming for you guys on Monday, but let us know what you thought of the early free agency move, which ones really shook up the draft, especially in the first round, maybe in the top 10, the top 20 something. Let us know what signing you were surprised about, excited about, disappointed about whatever it is how this free agency period has shaped your team's draft strategy and what you're hoping that they can pair with some capital that they spent already with the draft capital that they have got about a month from now. So let us know, hit us up in the YouTube comment section. That's the best way to um, get in on the conversation with us. We're reading all those bad boys. And of course we're conversing with you and going back and forth as much as we can. If you're an audio only listener and you want to get in on the combo at Tampa Bay Trey at Connor J Rogers on Twitter and Instagram, that's where you can find us. And that's where it can happen. Connor got anything else before we get out of here?
1: I'm looking forward to our next mock draft. It just makes it more fun when you have so much more to work with, right? It's like getting new pieces to the puzzle. Mm -hmm. We start out the year and we we have a 500-piece puzzle and we have about 20 pieces. Now we have about 300. So we're getting closer and closer and, man... It's just that best time of year where you can really start to hone in on what this thing's going to look
0: like. As much as mocks are speculation by nature, certainly before free agency, it's just pure speculation because we don't know yep. which players from even the, the teams that they're already on, who's going to still be there when draft day rolls around. After free agency, the team needs really get set you get to figure out what teams were able to do with their cap space and then what they're going to have to do in the draft sometimes it affects in a big way and sometimes yeah it it just makes it all the difference in the world for these teams and how the rest of the nfl draft is going to go because we know that it's an incredible ripple effect i'm trevor sykema that is connor rogers thank you guys so much for watching the nfl stock exchange podcast see you guys next time